Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Making room for God. What does it mean to make room for God? Does God need us to make room for Him to work? What do you say? How many of you say yes? Yes, we do. Why? Because he is a gentleman. He does not force himself on us. He does not push, control, or manipulate. He says, you invite me, you make room for me, I will work on your behalf. Amen? So that's the title of my message this morning, Making Room for God. And so in my message, I chose deliberately to share parts of my own testimony, of my own walk with the Lord over a period of 46 years, what I've learned, what I've experienced, as well, of course, as examples from the Bible to show you how we practically and simply make room for God to work in our lives, but also in the lives of those to whom we are sent to. We're not just speaking about ourselves and our blessing and our benefits, but we also want others to be blessed through our obedience. Amen? Know this, that your obedience will touch many other lives. So this is not just about us. Amen? The church should not be a bless me club. And it must not be so. Unfortunately, in many parts of the church, it has become this way that many believers within the house of God think that God exists just for me and no other. And this could not be further from the truth, my brother, my sister. The gospel that produces such a mindset, it's not the true gospel. It's a perverted, self-centered, humanistic gospel. God touches your life because he has many others on his mind. He said to Abraham, I will bless you and you will become a blessing to all the nations of the earth. So when God touches your life and blesses you because you made room for him and you obeyed him, know this, that there are many others that God wants to reach through your testimony, through your life, and through your obedience. Amen? Our life on earth has one single purpose. So if you don't know what your purpose is, here it is. It is to worship and to serve the only true and living God and become an instrument in His hand to communicate His love to those around us. That's your purpose. That's my purpose. That's everybody's purpose. Amen? So that's why you're here. That's why you exist. 
Paul said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Is that how we think about our lives? That I'm here for Christ and Him alone? And to look at death in the face and welcome it when it's time and say, it's far better. Paul said so. It is far better, he says, to depart and be with the Lord. But for your sakes, I'm going to stay a little while longer. Amen? I don't know why believers, Christians, born-again believers are afraid of dying. Are you afraid of dying? Praise God. (laughs) So having said that, I want to focus now on the one and only principle that I know, that I have experienced, that makes room for God in any given situation. So here it is. This principle is what I like to call the principle of obedience. The principle of obedience. I know of no other way that we can make room for God than in the way of faithful obedience to His voice and, of course, to the written Word of God as revealed to us by the Spirit of God. Amen? Faithful obedience to the Lord's voice. And, of course, the written word, the Bible that you hold in your hand, as is revealed to each one of us by the revelation of the Spirit. In the front of my Bible, I wrote many years ago, this is my Bible. God talks to me through my Bible. And he has spoken to me over a period of 46 years, over and over and over again, through the written word. Never through an audible voice, but through an inward witness and through the written word of God. I thank God for the written word of God. There is no words that we can describe the value of God's word. The Bible says he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And let me say this, nothing will ever substitute the principle of obedience. Nothing. No amount of prayers, no amount of fasting, No amount of church attendance, no amount of giving will ever, or any other religious exercise, take the place of faithful obedience to God. Please remember that. Some people try to make up their disobedience through religious exercise. Nothing can substitute you and I obeying the Lord God. Back in the Old Covenant, the Lord spoke to his people repeatedly, over and over again. He said, obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. Obey my voice, I will be your God, and you shall be my people. I will be an enemy to your enemies, and a friend to your friends, if you obey my voice. That was one simple instruction that God has given to his people. And over and over again, 
God's people disobeyed him over and over again, and as a result, they suffered the consequences. Amen? Are you still with me? Obey my voice. And through the mouth of Isaiah the prophet, the Lord said in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Notice the words willing and obedient. Not just obedient, but willing and obedient. Some people are obedient, but they're not willing. Others are willing, but not obedient. We need to be both. Willing and obedient. So willing and joyful obedience in the, is the true and real and tangible expression of true faith in God. You cannot say you believe in God if you're disobedient. Hello? Faith is expressed and released through obedience. The children of Israel, the Bible says, could not enter into their promised land because of unbelief. Another translation says, because of disobedience. Amen? If you believe God, you act on what he said. Amen? You trust him that much so that you obey him. Is that right? Praise God. So willing and joyful obedience is the expression of true faith in God that pleases him. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. We can substitute that and say without obedience you cannot please God. But joyful obedience releases God and his power to do great and mighty things on our behalf. Would you say amen to that? And for me, it all began when I first said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. When I surrendered my life to his lordship and I've accepted Jesus as my personal savior and Lord. And that's where it all begins. When you said yes to the Lord, you bowed the knee, you made room for him to work in your life. And that's how you got born again. Amen? The word of God says, if you believe in your heart, if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with his mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is just as simple as that, folks. That's where it all began for me. You see, I was a lost soul, broken in every way. And when God found me, he found me in the gutter. I couldn't go any, any lower than where I was. I was of no use to anyone. But the day I bowed my knee to the Lordship of Jesus and said yes to him, I made lots of room for God to work in my own life. Praise God for that step of obedience, not only in my own life, but in the life of many other people. 
the first instruction I received from the Lord after I was saved is recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 39. That was the first instruction the Lord gave me after, immediately after I gave my life to Him. And this is what it says. Can you put it up, please? Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 39. He said, through His Word, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. Return to your own house and tell them what great things God has done for you. And God had spoken to me through His Word, not in an audible voice, but by the Spirit deep down inside of my heart. I knew that I knew that I knew what I had to do. You know, when God gives you an instruction, you know that God has spoken to you. You have no doubt. There's an assurance in your heart that this is what God wants you to do. But he gives you a choice. He doesn't push. He never forced me. He just spoke his word to me. He said, return to your own house and tell them what great things I have done for you. At that point of my salvation, most of you heard my testimony. I was a runaway. I ran from my wife, my unborn child. I ran from everyone that loved me and cared for me. I was just before my 24th birthday, 23 and a few months. And it was in the month of July, this month, towards the, it was very cold in Zimbabwe, winter months. And I got into my car and drove, never intending to come back to my wife. Well, I did return. I was born again on Thursday. I think it was the 5th or the 6th of, uh, of August. On Sunday morning or Sunday evening, I was baptized in water, and on Monday morning, I got into my car and drove all the way back to Fort Victoria, was named at that time. It's called Masvingo now, and came back to my wife. And I began to publish and tell not just my wife, but my entire family and anybody who wanted to hear I was part of a Greek community that consisted about 20 families maybe. And whenever the opportunity was given to me, I would testify and tell them what Jesus has done for me. How he saved my soul. How he forgave my sins. And how he rescued my marriage from destruction. Well... The joy in my heart and the peace I found in returning to God was indescribable. Folks, those of you who have been born again know what I'm talking about. You cannot describe the peace that I found and the love that flowed within my soul. And I couldn't just keep quiet. I would tell everyone, especially those who wanted to hear. Some of them 
They made it clear they didn't want to know, but there were a few that believed as a result of my testimony. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So, in obedience to the Lord, through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I made lots of room for God during that time to work. Later on, of course, I didn't just stop within my immediate community. Every weekend, I would get into my car. We would close the store at 1 o'clock. By 3 o'clock, I was in the car going to all the communities in Zimbabwe in every city, proclaiming what Jesus Christ has done for me, obeying that one instruction. And you know what? Being obedient to that one instruction from the Lord brought such a blessing not only to my marriage and family, but to the entire Greek communities in Zimbabwe. You see, sharing your testimony, telling others what Jesus Christ has done for you is an instruction that all of us need to obey. This wasn't just an instruction given to me. It's given to you as well. And this morning, the Lord is reiterating and reminding you of that one instruction. In fact, if you read the book of Psalms, you will see, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You've got to tell people. You know, if you've been born again and you realize the value of your salvation... I pray that God would give every single one of us the revelation of what Jesus did for each and every one of us. You cannot keep quiet. You will share the good news with those that are within your sphere of influence. You've got to open your mouth. Why? Well, the Bible says, how will others believe if they do not hear? If we don't open our mouth and tell them what Jesus has done for us, how will they believe on him whom they have not heard? The Bible says it's impossible because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen to what Romans 10, 14 says. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? That's why scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those that proclaim the good news. So, I was not a preacher and I was not a pastor when I received that instruction because that instruction was not given to pastors and preachers. It was given to every born-again believer. Amen? Amen? The Great Commission is given to every disciple of the Lord in every generation. He says, go, not sit, go. Go and do what? Tell them. Tell them what I've done for you. Tell them about the good news. Tell them how God loves them. Tell them how God has forgiven them because he sent Jesus Christ to the cross. He paid for their sin. He shed his blood. By telling them, they will hear and in them hearing, they will believe. Not all of them may believe, but some of them will. Praise God.
And even if one soul is saved through your testimony, praise God for that one soul. Amen. Praise God. This is my personal conviction. I believe that if I disobeyed the Lord and did not do what he instructed me to do, I would not be where I am today. Definitely, I would not be here. My marriage would have been dissolved and destroyed, and many people would not have been born again. I would not be here. Praise God. And I don't believe he would have given me any further instructions. Jesus said, if you're disobedient or unfaithful in the least, you're going to be unfaithful in that which is much. Folks, it is about time the church raises, is raised up and begins to obey the Lord. The Word of God says in Isaiah 60, Arise and shine. We cannot shine while we're seated. We have to rise up in obedience to the Lord's Word and to the Lord's voice. When we rise up in obedience, that's when we begin to shine and shine even brighter. Amen? The reason why we're not shining enough and the light is not bright enough is because we're sitting. We're not going. We're not acting on the Word of God. We're not obedient to what He tells us. And obedience starts with very little steps of obedience. It doesn't start with great things. God is not going to tell you to do something huge. He's going to tell you to do something small. And if you are obedient in that little step, he will give you further instructions. That's how I know God. That's how I've learned to understand him and to grow. John Bevere said this, such a powerful statement. He said spiritual growth and maturity is not a function of time or a function of learning, but it is a function of obedience. You can be in the Lord for 50 years and never grow up, still be a spiritual infant, needing somebody else to take care of you. So spiritual growth is not a, is not a function of time. It doesn't matter how long you've been born again. Physical growth is a function of time, but not spiritual growth. Amen? Amen. Praise God. <laughs> If I had not gone back to my wife, I would not be here today married for 47 years, having three children, happily married, and five grandchildren. So I owe everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. Not just some things, everything. And perhaps some of you are sitting here today and are wondering, why am I not hearing from God? Why is the Lord gone all silent on me? You ever, you're asking that question? Are you hearing from God on a regular basis? Well, why is there complete silence from him not saying anything to me about my situation that I've been praying about or what I've been going through in this present time. Well, I'm not saying this is the case. But 
it will do all of us good if we take some time and inquire of the Lord whether we have been disobedient in any given instruction that you know God has spoken to you. Now, if you don't know, you cannot obey. How can you obey something you don't know? But perhaps the Spirit will remind you of the last instruction He has given you. You haven't done anything about it. Very quiet here this morning. And I don't believe that God would give us any further instructions as individuals or as a church until we obey the last one he gave us. I recall the struggle I had in obeying one of his instructions he gave me concerning my addiction to cigarettes. I was born again, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, joyful, but I was still smoking. I was still smoking for 12 months after I was born again. Man, I tried. I tried so hard to give it up, but every time I I threw it away, I went back and picked it up. I just couldn't. I was addicted. I was bound. And when I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I tried, but I can't. He said, I didn't ask you to do it in your own strength. I said, why can't I give this up? I want to. Well, he led me to a portion of Scripture, which I'm going to show it to you. In Matthew 17, verse 20 and 21, the disciples asked him the same question, if you remember. They tried to cast out a demon from the epileptic And uh, they couldn't. And when Jesus came down from the mountain, they asked him, "Why, why couldn't we cast him out, Lord? This is what he said to them. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. But then he said something else. However, this kind, talking about unbelief, does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So in obedience to the Lord, I began to pray and I began to fast and became very serious about it. In the middle of my fast, God delivered me. I threw it away. I never went back to it again, and it's been 45 years. Neither have I desired a cigarette since that day. God broke the power of addiction because I was obedient to him, and not only did I pray fervently, but I also fasted. And I've learned a lesson, and the lesson is this. There are times and seasons in our walk with God that he expects us to fast as well as pray. And I personally believe there are certain things that God cannot do for us unless we are willing to engage in the principle of fasting. And I've proven that to be true.
Jesus, I believe, expects his disciples to fast. Are you a disciple? Why do I say that? Because he said, when you fast, not if, when, this is the way you do it. So I believe that there are times in our walk with God when we hit a a face brick wall or whatever and we, we not seem to get a breakthrough then I believe it's time that we need to engage in the principle of fasting. Praise God. So one instruction from the Lord was followed by another and another, and one step of obedience was followed by another step of obedience that brought me to the place where I am today. The hardest, and don't think it's easy, folks, there are some things that God will tell you or will lead you into that are not easy at all. They're difficult decisions. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Amen? Everybody would be obedient. The hardest for me and the most difficult step of obedience I took was when the Lord instructed me to sell our business in Zimbabwe and go into what we call full-time ministry. And remember at that time, I had three children that were growing up, a wife, and no promise of support from any church, any organization, or any individual. He just said, sell your business and go serve me full time. Not in Zimbabwe, in South Africa. Never mind serving him in the country that I was familiar with, but he sent me down here to Cape Town. No promise of support. I didn't know where my next paycheck would come from. And when I asked him, Lord, how will I take care of my family? He said, I'll take care of you. You obey me, I'll take care of you. And then he said something else. I'll never forget it the longest day I live. He said, you give up your business for me and the gospel. I will raise up many businesses to take care of you and your family. You know, 32 years have come and gone since I've entered into the full-time ministry. And my family and I have never lacked anything. Not just my family and I, but the ministry as a whole. In fact, God has looked after me far better in full-time ministry than when I had my own business. He stood faithful to his promise but it was a very difficult step to take. There were times when I would think about this step of obedience and I would shudder inside of me. You see, every step of faith is also a step of risk. If you're not willing to take risks, you're never going to go forward with the Lord. You know, the tortoise is a very frightened animal. You noticed that she cannot go forward until she sticks her head out. Have you noticed that? And sometimes we've got to stick our neck out for the Lord, for his glory, for his kingdom, just obeying his voice. Praise God forevermore. (laughs) Well...
God would have never called me into the ministry or instructed me to sell my business if I did not obey him in the little steps of obedience. Amen? Because Jesus said, if you are unfaithful in the little things, you will also be unfaithful in that which is much. We can also say that if you are disobedient in the little things, you will also be disobedient in the bigger things. If I hadn't given up my cigarettes when God instructed me to, I would have never been able to give up my business. But the Lord trains us by giving us little steps of obedience. One step at a time. He would shine the light as far as you can see in front of you. That's why the word says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. And as you take that step of obedience, you make room for God to work. So after today, I hope you have no doubt how you make room for God to work in your life or in the life of other people. You obey him. Amen? God has already given us instructions where finances are concerned. I recall I was just a few weeks old in the Lord. And I'm reading my Bible, and I came across a verse of Scripture in the book of Malachi. And it says, honor the Lord with your tithes. Is that what it says, Michael? Malachi chapter 3. I said, what is that? I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know. I never heard the word tithe or offering or what. So I went to my pastor, and I said, I read this Scripture here. What does it mean? He says, the tithe is a 10% of your income. I said, okay. And the offering? He said, the offering is above that. At that time, I was working for my father-in-law, and I was earning 250 Zimbabwe dollars a month. And I had huge debts. I left debts in South Africa when we moved up to Zimbabwe. I had to send my wife to work when we were for a brief while in in Johannesburg to go and pay my debts. And she went to work while I ran the small business that we owned. Of course, we went bankrupt because I wasn't what I was supposed to be. So I said, that means that $25 a month is the 10... Yes, he said. From that day forward, I would take an envelope put $25 in the envelope and put $5 as an offering and every month I would take it to church and drop it in the basket. To this day, I don't recall I've ever missed a tithe. But you know what? God is no debtor to any person. I have seen his provision over and over again. So much so that I'm able to bless many other people today. Obedience. Obedience. And you know what Jesus said? He who is faithful in the least is faithful also in much. You know what he calls the least? Anybody knows? 
What does he call the least here in Luke 16, verse 10 and 11? Huh? Listen to what he said. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you the true riches? He calls money the least. Hello? That's why we don't release anyone into ministry in our church unless we know that they are obedient to this verse of Scripture. The Bible talks about first fruits, tithes, and offerings. How are you faring with that? Praise God. Let's move on. So obedience, therefore, in the least prepares us to obey that which is much. But he has also given us instructions on many other areas of our lives. He talked about husbands. Love your wives as Christ also loves the church and gave himself for her. Wives, be in subjection to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen? Amen. My children were raised in church. We raised them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Two of them today are in the ministry. You train a child in the way he should go. But I've seen even Christian parents, how they raise their children today, and to be honest with you, I'm sorely disappointed. They don't believe in correcting them. They don't believe in discipline them. At nine, ten years old, they must make their own decisions, whether they're going to go to church or not. No, sir, not in my house. But to this day, when they were growing up, they never woke up in the morning and say, we're not going to church today. We don't want to. Never. We never sat them down and say, you should go to church. They watched their parents. You see, the parents are the mirror of the children. Amen? Amen. Praise God for His grace and His mercy. Well, Let me say it again. Obedience to the Lord's instructions is the key that unlocks God's supernatural ability to work on our behalf and the behalf of others. And we see this principle throughout the Old and the New Covenant. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I want to run, I want to hurry up a little bit. We see Elijah. Elijah is facing starvation. You know the story, 1 Kings chapter 17. As a result of severe famine that has plagued the nation because of the disobedience. The word of the Lord comes to the prophet and he says, Arise, go to Zarephath, belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow to feed you. God also gives an instruction to a widow. She only had one meal left, And she had a son. And by her own testimony, she said to the prophet, we have one meal left, I'm going to cook it, and we're going to eat it, and we're going to die. And the prophet said, no, you're not going to die, provided you give me first to eat. (laughs) 
Imagine that. A stranger knocks on her door, a widow, and says, no, you feed me first. But the Lord said, the word says that he instructed also the widow. You know, she hesitated a little bit. And thank God for encouragers in the body of Christ. We all need those encouragers that they would come alongside us and encourage us to obey the Lord. And with a little persuasion from the prophet, finally she obeyed. And you know what? That step of obedience rescued all three of them for many days, and they ate from that one meal. You see, their obedience released the supernatural power of God to work, to multiply that one meal for many days. That's what God does. Amen. When we obey Him, He steps in. And He does things beyond our wildest imagination. And you step back and you, how did I ever manage to do that? Because you obeyed. The grace of God is released upon the humble, obedient servants. Praise God. Amen. Well... Put yourself in, in the shoes of that widow. What would you have done, even though the Lord has spoken to you? Amen? You have one last meal, and I come knocking at your door, and I say, you feed me first. Was it easy? No, of course it wasn't easy. <laughs> Every single time I was given an instruction from the Lord, I faced tremendous opposition in my endeavor to obey. And you need to know that as well. Opposition came from every side. Fear, intimidation, threats to my own life. In fact, our neighbor across the road, I think Helen would remember, he told somebody who knew that somebody would tell me. He says, tell Andre I'm going to buy a shotgun and I'm going to shoot him from my window. Yeah, that, that is the truth. It's not a lie. Why? Because I was preaching the gospel to the Greek communities. Well, once I was called into the office of the bishop. And in his office, I was told in no uncertain terms that if I do not stop proclaiming the gospel, he was going to excommunicate me from the Orthodox Church straight. He says, either you stop right now, or you are going to face excommunication. You know, when they excommunicate you from the Orthodox Church, the community also excommunicates you. Even your friends don't want to know you, because Orthodoxy and Greek is very, very intertwined. If you're not Orthodox, you're not Greek. That's how they view it. I remember I drove back all the way from Harare, two and a half hours drive, sad in my heart, disappointed. When this man gave me his blessing a year and a half ago, now he's telling me to stop preaching. Why? Because I was not going to preach about the saints. And I was not going to preach about the Virgin Mary. I was preaching repentance and faith according to the Bible. 
So I came home that night, needless to say, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. We had, our bedroom was upstairs. I came downstairs and I paced the room up and down, up and down, praying, asking the Lord, Lord, you send me to proclaim the gospel. Now this man is telling me to stop preaching. Well, what, what do I do? I was disillusioned, disheartened, discouraged, perplexed. I don't remember how long I prayed. But in the midst of my prayer, the Spirit of God spoke up. And how I thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. And the Spirit spoke up, and this is what he said to me. He said, I would do what Moses did when the Red Sea told him, you cannot cross. If you cross, I'm going to drown you. Not only am I going to drown you, but I'm going to drown all these people you brought out of Egypt. But he did cross. I got my answer. I kept on preaching. I kept on preaching. And sure enough, the bishop was good to his word. He excommunicated me in front of the whole church with my wife and my children next to me. But you know what? Just a few weeks after the excommunication, he was struck down and he died. I'm not going to tell you how he died. And then I remembered the word of the Lord. First Chronicles 16, verse 21. He permitted no man to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. And you know what happened afterwards? When the bishop died, the whole community rose up against me, said I did some magic to him, and I killed him. And the persecution doubled. Is it easy to obey God? No. All hell will come against you. Why would the devil bother you if you're sitting and not obeying? He won't. He will leave you alone. He will go after those who will rise up and obey the word of the Lord. Amen. So when you get ready to obey, expect opposition. Sometimes your own mind will drive you. And thoughts will come through your mind and give you all these bleak pictures of your future, of something happening to you. But you obey. Stay the course, and God will vindicate you. Amen. So obedience to the Lord, dear family, will cost you. But the cost cannot be compared with the rewards that you and I receive. Amen. So, I'm going to give you one last example from the life of Jesus. Jesus' joyful obedience to the Father cost him his life. But you know what? He obeyed to the point of death. And his obedience unto death, the Bible says, he opened the door for humanity to come back to God in a loving relationship. Romans 5.19, For as by one man's obedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many 
will be made righteous. And through your obedience, many will be blessed and touched. Many will receive the blessing of the Lord. So it's not just about you folks. It's about all those that you're destined to reach and bless with your obedience. And finally, I, I want to leave you with this. Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2. My son, don't forget my instructions. Always keep my commands in mind. Then you will live a long time and have a full life. Let's rise and give thanks to the Lord. While I was speaking, if the Spirit of God reminded you of any instruction the Lord has given you in any given area of your life that you have been disobedient, I want you to repent before the Lord. You don't have to say anything to anybody. Say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I have been disobedient. Help me to obey. So you've got to go back to where that instruction, to when that instruction was given to you and obey the Lord and expect the blessing and expect your ears to open up. Not these ears, these ears. And the favor of the Lord to accompany you. Amen? So let's pray. Father, thank you for your precious word, and thank you for this message of obedience today, Lord. We give you praise that you are merciful, you are long-suffering, you are forgiving, and you are gracious in all your ways. Father, also we pray for this fellowship, and I pray that if we have been obedient in any given instruction you've given us, as a family, as a church, I pray that your Spirit will reveal it to us. I pray that you will highlight that instruction in our hearts, in our minds, and you would bring us back to the road of obedience. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name for loving us enough to correct us, for loving us enough to rebuke us when necessary in order to bring us back to obedience to your precious word. For that, we give you thanks, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.